Welcome back, everyone, to a new podcast here at City of Hope Church. I'm Jeremy. With me is Clay, and this is week two of our small group series. We are working together through a book called Kingdom Values, and it's really just a wonderful resource that is helping us to revisit and discover some some foundational truths when it comes to our faith. Last week, we talked about pages 1 through 23, so if you have not, please go back and check that out. To all our listeners, to all the folks in our church, uh, thank you so much for being a part of this. We hope small groups are going well. And again, if you're not even from this area, you don't attend our church, we hope you're enjoying the podcast and the Lord is really blessing your life through it. So again, we're going to jump right into it. This is week number two. This is the second part of chapter one, the gospel. Now, as we dive into this, the gospel, like we talked about last time, is first and foremost, it is good news. And the beautiful thing about this good news is that it's from God. So Clay, to dive right into things, so who is God? What is God? Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's a great question. Um, because, you know, you'd even argue, people would say, well, there's all kinds of gods. And I think the Bible would even teach that that's true. There's all kinds of gods. In the Old Testament, the word God, uh, in a very general sense is Elohim and even some spiritual beings are called Elohim lowercase g gods the main difference is there are spiritual beings principalities powers gods lowercase g if you will that are all created spiritual beings but the creator the one true God Yahweh how he reveals himself to Israel is the only creator and that specific God from the very beginning is a triune God. So there's three persons, one God, one essence. And I mean, that's honestly um, a mystery that we can't fully ever comprehend until the end. But you see the beauty of it because, because this God who exists in three persons is at work to redeem his entire creation that has fallen and rejected him. Because we have to believe on some level that God has weaved into all of creation free will. That, that he, he gives us this choice, but he's still sovereign over all. And even though we rejected him and rebelled against him and we are fallen and broken, he's still working all things together toward his ultimate plan of redemption, salvation, and restoration of his creation. And so we see the three persons in this one true God, the Creator, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they each have a, a specific role in redemption because you see God the Father in the beginning. Even in the beginning, it says, you know, that that God spoke. That's His word that was mm-hmm. with Him. And the Spirit, which is also ruach in the Hebrew, it's breath. So God the Father speaks. And when we're speaking right now, if you put your hand in front of your face, words come out and breath comes out with every word. Mm-hmm. And when He spoke, He had both the word and the breath, the Spirit. That was with him in creation. And so uh, you see that triune God, God the Father, creates the world with the Word, with the Spirit, with the, with the eternal Son of God. Uh, and he has this plan of redemption in which he's going to send his Son. The eternal Word of God takes on flesh. The Son of God comes. He, he has the plan. He sends the Son, and the Son comes as a human being and we say this all the time but God could have done a million different things to save us right uh, 
he he could have put a billboard in the sky that said, "Hey, say this prayer and you'll all be saved and we'll renew the face of the earth." But when he created the world, his design was that he would make human beings in his image to reflect his glory. And as long as we were in relationship with him, reflecting who God was in the world, the earth that we were given dominion over would reflect heaven. And that was always the goal, that from the Garden of Eden, we would expand the kingdom of heaven to the, to the glory of God covered the earth as the waters covered the sea, and God and man would be one, and heaven and earth would be one. Yeah. The problem was sin entered in and through Satan, through the lies that we believed, and all of a sudden earth began to degenerate and, and reflect more of hell than it did heaven, so to speak. And you kind of see that war. Like we see good things in the world, but we also see bad things. And, you know, somebody would argue, well, the closest that unbelievers are ever going to get to heaven is here on earth, and the closest that believers are ever going to get to hell is here on earth. Mm, and so wow. you see both of those realities at work. God sends his son to become man, take on flesh, to redeem man. He comes, he lives a sinless life. He perfectly represents what God designed human beings to be, and he brought the kingdom with him, bringing restoration to things that were not initially intended. He heals all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. He raises people from the dead, even to demonstrate that death was not his desired original intent. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he deals with the demonic and exercises authority over them to demonstrate that, hey, human beings, they were supposed to say, no, you don't get a play down here, big dog. Mm -hmm. and, and so Jesus comes and represents that, that he's bringing this other kingdom into a world that's been broken. And then he defeats sin, death, hell, the grave, Satan, is raised from the dead, says all authority in heaven and earth are given unto me. He ascends into heaven, but before he goes, he says, listen, boys, you need to, you need to pay careful attention. I'm going to send the comforter, the spirit of truth, the spirit yeah. of Christ, the third person of the Godhead. And so the spirit works in redemption in that Jesus has restored human beings back into, a, reconciled them back into a relationship with the Father. And so now we have the Holy Spirit who is actually enacting that salvation he's applying the blood of jesus to our lives he's regenerating our hearts he's giving us a new spirit a new mind and now god himself lives in us through the power of the holy spirit in which we are continuing to extend god's kingdom here on earth and it's already but it's not yet we're seeing and i guess i'm saying a lot right here out of the gate but when we talk about the gospel one of the biggest things that I think we miss right out of the gate is that we have always assumed, you know, we went to a church when we were young and we hear a preacher talk about, well, basically what you hear is believe this, repent of your sins. You know, you might hear that. You might just say, you might just hear, hey, say this prayer. We believe you're born again. And that means you don't go to hell when you die. You go to heaven. Yeah. But... Really, kind of ends there almost. Yeah, and yeah. and so it's 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 very it's a very shallow and vague view because what God what Jesus really came and preached was the gospel of the kingdom. He didn't say a whole lot about going to heaven when you die, but he 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 gave parables that said the kingdom of heaven is like this, mm. and he was not just talking about something that was going to be a place you went when you died, but he was talking about what actually he wants to see manifested in the here and now.
because the end goal even that you need to understand about the gospel is that when this whole thing wraps up let's just say that you know jesus returns right now we don't just go into the heavenly realms no jesus returns and literally renovates the earth and rids it of all that is fallen and all that that is broken and a, and a purging fire renovates this earth back to original design and we rule and we reign with him and again god and man become one heaven and earth become one there's a new heavens and a new earth just like the garden yes so what he's done in his restoration in the gospel is, yeah, he's given us this eternal life that we get to live eternally. And if we die, we are with Jesus in heaven. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But that's not the end of it. And it also means that while we are here, we are signposts to that coming kingdom. So we, we demonstrate lives of victory over sin. We demonstrate even lives of foretastes of victory over sickness and foretastes of victory over death and foretastes of victory over hell. So the kingdom is expanding. We don't see the fullness of it yet, but we should be getting tastes of the kingdom. We should be seeing people get healed and see a foretaste of the kingdom, people getting set free and delivered from sin, and just the, the glory and the relationships and the love among one another that we'll actually fully see in heaven it should be breaking out in our midst right now and so the gospel is is god has sent his son to pay the price for human beings uh to be saved but then sending the spirit so that it's at work right now and his kingdom is working through those people yes yeah, so on that line let's move into uh, a section we talk about this or have talked about it before but so, so yeah we talked about a, a lot of things right there God created things perfect. We were created from love, for love. Humanity fell. We see this redemption plan that culminates in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and we know that forgiveness is offered through that. Restoration is offered through that. We talked about one one day everything will be restored finally um, the way it was intended when Jesus returns. But there's also the here and the now, and you mentioned that, that we're in the, the already but the not yet. And so in terms of, of when we fail, Let's talk about what we essentially were being rescued from, God's rescue plan, his plan of redemption. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. First and foremost, sin. We talked about that prayer. Now, a lot of times, and that's where, for me, a good portion of my life was spent in that, that mindset. I, I went to a Bible school when I was younger. I prayed the prayer, and it was almost like this, this prayer, I'm forgiven, going to heaven. And then it kind of stopped there for a while, but there's more to it. We talk about that, that we're being continually saved. And so, so Jesus saves us, yes, from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin, and then one day, ultimately, the presence of sin. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think if, you, if, you, uh, if you're like me, whenever you first kind of hear uh, a vague version of the gospel and you're not, not really growing into it and reading the fullness of Scripture, you really get that penalty part that yeah and that's where it begins because you need to you i think you do need to understand that he saves us first and foremost from the penalty of sin you and i we deserved death and hell yes and jesus on the cross took the penalty that we deserve there's that aspect of it there's way more going on on the cross than that but that's that is a major aspect and we don't want to take away from that either that's 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 a huge part and and yes all we're saying is there's more yes to it it just doesn't stop there that's the that's the starting line yeah for for what jesus is saving us from for sin because it's easy to say well 
okay, thank God he has saved me from the penalty of sin, that means that now I, I get to go to heaven and I can pretty much you know live how I want to. But no, you're, you're falling far, far sh- short of the full glory of God. Yeah. And, and somehow you're believing a lie that maybe continuing in sin is actually going to bring you more joy than being free from it. Yeah. Uh, and so none of us, again, it's already not yet. None of us are fully free from sin. We have weaknesses. We have flesh that we're battling, that we're continually crucifying through the power of the Spirit. But once he frees us from the penalty of sin, which is justification, and I'd even say it like this, theologians teach that there is a way of salvation, that mm-hmm. it's this journey, almost like a journey up a mountain. And at the, at the foot of the mountain, what you see is that the prevenient grace of God, the Holy Spirit, is drawing you, and he's convicting you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. And when you sense that conviction and you turn toward Jesus, believing in who he is, by faith alone, you receive that grace that justifies you, and you are saved from the penalty of sin, and you are declared righteous before God as if you had never sinned. All your sins are washed away. Praise God. Yeah. But you are at the foot of the mountain when that happens. And now he says, I want to actually take you on a journey where I transform you by the power of the Holy Spirit into the very image of my son. And so now you move from justification into sanctification. And that is the process of you being made holy, set apart for God's purposes, and growing in, in one measure of glory to the next in the image of Jesus. And so he's, he's making us more like it. And so he doesn't just free us from the penalty of sin or save us or rescue us from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin in our lives. I remember when I, when I really believed in Jesus, I said the sinner's prayer I don't know how many times. Then the Holy Spirit draws me into this relationship. I start praying. I start fasting. I start spending time alone with God. I start reading Scripture. I start listening to sermons. Uh, all these practices start taking place in my life, and guess what happens? And my heart starts to be changed. I start to have a desire for the things of God and, and a hatred for, for the sin that's in my life. And then I have an, a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit where he starts to really just break these things off of me. And he's continuing to do that. Mm-hmm. There's even deeper issues in my life that the Holy Spirit is, is continually working on, like issues of attitude, issues of motive. And so what's he doing? He's rescuing me from the power of sin every single day of my life as he's sanctifying me. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing, too, because the the Lord has so much force here on earth, man. And it's it's not he doesn't want us to live a life defeated. Like mm-hmm. like you said, we're supposed to be signposts. We're, we're supposed to be messengers and advance his kingdom and share the gospel and it's really hard for us to do that if we if we're still living a defeated life and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us to continue to re- redeem us. And, and honestly, that's it's a process that can be kind of challenging. And I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people steer away from it, because when you invite God into those areas, he wants to save you and wants to redeem and restore areas of your life that's been been, been broken. And a lot of times those areas are painful. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in our life that we have to deal with and go back through. And, and when we revisit those, God wants to heal them, yes, but it can be a process of walking through those things. But on the other side, yeah, that's where we find real, genuine life and freedom, purpose, and joy in the here and the now. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, yes, heaven's going to be great. That's going to be awesome. But while we're here on earth, we want heaven to invade here. Yes. In, in the here and the now. And that's, I mean, what a beautiful picture that is. Yeah, we, uh, the church should, one of the things that I think I, I like to view the church as, you know, Jacob in the old covenant, when he has a dream, he encounters a, a, a stairway to heaven, so to speak. And he says, you know, this is, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Mm. And Jesus sort of reveals that he is that gate of heaven. But see, in him, the church itself is still the gate of heaven here on earth. Like if, if, if heaven is going to invade this world, it's going to invade it first through our hearts. And people are going to get the greatest image of who God is through our lives when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and caring about his work. And he wants legitimate power released through our lives for, for things to happen, supernatural things to happen, love to happen in a, in a way that it's it's never been. And all of that is pointing, like you said, it's us, it's all we're, we're signposts of the coming kingdom where one day we won't just, because sanctification is a process, and I thank God that we're saved from the penalty before we ever even change. You know what I mean? Mm. But then we enter into this process of growth, and sometimes we struggle, sometimes we fall short. That doesn't mean that we're no longer saved from the penalty, right? right. It just means we pick ourselves back up, we come back to the Lord, we confess sin if we need be, just to stay, maintain that relationship, and we're growing in that relationship and being changed. But we're looking forward to the day mm. when we see Jesus face to face, and there's a new heaven and a new earth, and, and God shows up and he wipes every tear from, from every eye. There's no more death or mourning or crying or pain because it says the old order of things have passed away and no longer will there be any curse. And then we see him face to face and we become like him for we shall see him as he is. And the Bible says everyone who has that hope purifies themselves even as he is pure. So this is what one of the things that Jesus is saving us from. Awesome. The second thing that we're rescued from is Satan. Now, now this is probably a topic that is is kind of, I guess, can make people uncomfortable when you start talking about Satan and and demons and and all of those things. But there's a real uh, a, a real power, uh, so to speak, that Satan has here on earth. And 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 the good news ultimately is that that Jesus on the cross defeated the power of Satan. We no longer have to to be afraid. Um, and, and in fact, authority was was restored. But there's also this weird kind of thing to where, again, it's the already not yet. Like we're still in this this earth. Like, yes, we're walking in freedom. Yes, we're walking in power. But also, Clay, talk about just the, the fact that we still have an enemy that is behind the scenes, mm-hmm. that's at work, that has power and has hold in people's lives. And that's still a very real thing that we need to be mindful of and, and, and think about yeah. as Christians. Uh, I hate to get too theologically deep, and even before we get in there, though, but so like when you think about the cross and we said we're saved from the penalty of sin, uh, theologians, a lot of them will say um, that that's a certain view of what took place at the cross called penal substitutionary atonement theory. So he took our penalty. Uh, and most most times when they when they say that they see Jesus on the cross as if God Himself is killing Jesus, and uh, but another way to look at this I think, and probably even a more accurate way, and I don't have time 
to really lay it out biblically, is that God's wrath is being poured out on Jesus. It is. Uh, but a big part of that wrath is the fact that you see Jesus protected by God's divine hand. And in Romans 1, it talks about wrath of God being revealed in that he hands us over. God, in the Garden of Gethsemane, lifted his hand off of him. The full weight of sin came upon him, and he handed him over to the Romans. And they, along with religious leaders influenced by the demonic, planned the murder of Jesus, and God handed him over to the full consequences of that sin, which is an absolutely horrific death. Yeah. And you see the wrath of God being poured out, manifested on that, all the sins of Jesus coming upon him, and then the cross, the ugliness of it. Him, his, his flesh being torn to shreds. But behind that, it says, I, I believe it's a demonically inspired murder mm. by humans. We killed God. We killed, we killed Jesus. God the Father raised him from the dead. That's what Acts says like three or four times. Yeah. Um, that being said, on the cross, and if you watch uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's been a long time. I anyway, there, which, whichever one that it is, the lion, Aslan, who represents Jesus, if you remember, he goes in to meet with the lady that represents Satan. And Edmund, the boy, is is uh, is is the one that she wants to lay claim to because of he's betrayed them. So he's sinned. He's betrayed them. She says, I lay claim to, claim to him. It's a part of the law. And he goes in. He said, let me talk to you. Well, he makes a deal with her. He says, I'll give my life for, for his. And they go. Now, when you see what where it represents the crucifixion of Jesus, all these ugly demons and creatures are just celebrating because they're walking this line up to this place. And the woman who represents Satan lifts, lifts the dagger and kills him on that stone. And, and, but but the, three days later, he comes alive and the stone tablets are broken. Why? Because... Satan has claim to humanity because we have sinned. And he brings that accusation against us night and day and says they're guilty. They don't deserve your blessing. They don't deserve your righteousness. They don't deserve anything from you, God. Mm. But Jesus comes as a human being. Satan thinks, well, we can kill him just like we kill every other human being because that's what we've done. They're under the law of sin and death. But guess what? He had no claim on Jesus because Jesus was sinless. And by killing the sinless one, he reversed and, and his legal claim over us was now broken. And so in Christ, we're no longer under the law of sin and death, and Satan can make no accusation against us. And so one of the ways that he defeated him was he robbed him of his power to chain us any longer to sin and say, I have access to their lives. I get to hold them in this bondage. They're not deserving of your blessing. No, in Christ, we, we receive the fullness of the blessing, and Satan can no longer bring an accusation against us because we've been completely forgiven. So now that being said, I went a little a little bit deep there, but the problem is, I think, is pe what people misunderstand is that because Satan has been defeated, they think, well, what in the world's going on in the world? Then why are people half crazy? Satan is still at work. Paul makes it emphatically clear that we still wrestle against, not flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age and against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. We are still wrestling against the demonic powers and they primarily bring lies in our minds. When a demon speaks to you, it manifests itself as a thought, as an impression, as a feeling. And, and you have to work through that process of standing in the truth of God's word, 
of who you are in Christ and saying no to those demonic forces. And here's what I've seen in my own personal experience because I've seen demons manifest before. But one thing that I know, and I've seen it time and time again, they always bow to the authority that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what we have to stand in. That's what we have to know, that when they, they will come against you, but they're going to test you to see whether or not you actually believe the gospel, whether or not you actually believe that in Christ you now have all authority. That's what they're seeking to find. So we have to stand in that victory and exercise authority over Satan and the demonic. Amen. I talk a lot. It's good. It's, but this, <laughs> this is good, though. It's going deep. It's good stuff. Thirdly, we're rescued from, and, and you touched on this already just a bit, but just to wrap it up, death and hell. Right. And uh, Go ahead. In sin, in sin, we to put it short, in sin we're cut off from God. That is the beginning of hell. Hell, uh, we could go a lot deeper with it, but it essentially is the absence of God. Yeah, and and uh, and so that begins in human hearts here and now, but it but it magna it's magnified uh, infinitely in eternity. Yeah, and uh, and and death. See Jesus conquered death he went into it blew it up from the inside out and he's the only religious leader in human history that we know that was dead and raised again yeah and that proves for us christians that he is god that the gospel is real and that we can have eternal life because all of us human beings we fear death but he says no that's not the end for for those of us who believe we inherit eternal life and we don't have to worry about eternal separation from god because we're united to him through Jesus' victory. Yeah, I love what you say there about inside out. And and something I want to touch on real quick that the book goes into is this, you know, we are a body, a spirit, and a soul. And a lot of times we recognize yeah. clearly. Uh, like, if, like, for example, if I'm sick, I know it. If I'm hurting, something's going wrong, I'm going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Even mentally, like we recognize when our thoughts are messed up, when we're having anxiety or depression or you know whatever kind of thoughts are coming to our mind but a lot of times we we don't think sometimes about our soul and 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 our soul jesus comes to revive the human heart and revive the soul and i want to read just a real quick thing here by uh it's it's a quote that that they quote in the book Uh, dallas willard said this in another book called renovation of the heart it says the revolution of Jesus is first and always a revolution of the human heart. His revolution does not proceed through the means of social institutions and laws, the outer forms of our existence, intending that these would then impose a good order of life upon people who come under their power. But rather, his is a revolution of character, which proceeds by changing people from the inside through ongoing personal relationship with God and one another it is a revolution that changes people's ideas beliefs feelings and habits of choice as well as their bodily tendencies and social relations it penetrates to the deepest layers of their soul external social arrangements may be useful to this end but they are not the end nor are they a fundamental part of the means and so essentially this idea that jesus works from the inside out it's more than just an external thing but he's he's literally renovate the title of that book he's renovating our heart and so that naturally our character changes what we do on the outside 
changes because of an inward transformation. Yeah, and that's and that's what the gospel focuses on more than anything is not external rules, but a relationship that transforms you internally. And you know, you brought up spirit, soul, body. I love what it says because this is a, a key verse. I think in in the ongoing uh, deliverance and, and rescuing that we see in the gospel from the power of sin. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I believe it says, May the God of peace sanctify you completely, spirit, soul, and body. And if you look at it from the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, they walked with God in the cool of the day. They had this communion with Him where there was no pressure to perform, uh, just simply in love with God, speaking with Him, talking with Him in in this communion. And God communicated to them first and foremost, in their spirits, and there was no hindrance. They heard the voice of God, and the voice of God was in their spirits. They didn't hear it audibly with their ear, right? And and he communicated to them through their spirits, and from their spirits, their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions was renewed to think the thoughts of God, to, to feel joy and happiness and peace the way that God intended for them to feel that and to experience that those relational just good things that we can experience with one another in all of their fullness and from there all of that that relationship with God our minds lined up with who God was our feelings lined up with who God was came out through our bodies and our bodies were in subjection to simply be a vessel that we had mastery over to tell what to do and then from the bodies, we impacted the world on the outside of us and transformed the world and brought the kingdom. Satan comes in, reverses that. And Satan now, he cuts us off, right, from God in a sense through sin. And he works first from the world system, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And those all appeal to our physical and mental appetites. Mm-hmm. Anything you watch on a commercial, what's it appealing to? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They used to sell cheeseburgers at Burger Kings with a half-naked woman wrapped around another half-naked woman. You know what I'm talking about? It's yeah. appealing to your flesh through a world system that Satan has created. Yeah. And then from those bodily, physical appetites, he starts to change our mind and deform our mind, not to think the things of God, but to think carnal thoughts and be carnally minded. And then before long, he totally suppresses our spirits and cuts our spirits off from God so that we remain in bondage to our physical, fleshly lusts and appetites. And God's saying, no, what I want you to do is get back to this place where you're in a spiritual relationship to me, where you hear my voice in the spirit. You start to renew your mind, your feelings, your thoughts according to the word of God, and you get control over your physical appetites so that you can then impact the world for me. Mm. And so there's that reversal. But it starts, like you said, from the from the inside out. We're a redeemed people. He wants to restore that relationship we lost in the garden. That's what the gospel is, so that we can once again extend the kingdom. Good stuff. Yeah, and, and towards the end of this chapter, that just what you said, it touches a lot on that. First, you know, he redeems us individually. Uh, he redeems us as a people in terms of, of a a community together, a unified people uh, pursuing God, pursuing relationships with one another, uh, using his gifts to essentially establish his kingdom. Um, 
And, and yeah, uh, there's one thing it says in there that, that I really loved, and it said essentially that the gospel begins in love, and it ends with glory and joy. Yeah. And I, I love the verses. There's a couple of places in the Old Testament, and it, and it and it speaks of the end. You speak about glory. It says, and the and the glory of God shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And and what what that means, you know, people people think if anybody who thinks heaven is going to be boring or somehow that the end, like there ain't going to be nothing, they just they just don't know. They need just a taste of 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 the glory of God. Because when that happens, you're th- you're talking about all of the best moments you've ever had in your life. Really, are in essence just a little taste of the glory of God. Yeah. And I want you to to magnify all of those tastes infinitely beyond measure that you can ever imagine, and the earth just radiating with the fullness of God's glory. And in that, the only thing that you can do is say, "This is so stinking good." Yeah. I got no other thing in my heart right now but such a fullness that all I can do is say, thank you, God, you are amazing. Yeah. And that's real. And that, and that's what we're, that, that's what we as Christian people are looking forward to. And one, there ain't nothing you've had on this earth will ever compare to that glory. And we need to sometimes get lost in that. Yeah. It, it, and honestly, that's one thing in my spirit that reading through this chapter and going through it together, that's been stirred back up is, is just joy and thankfulness. Yes. That, that I was broken, am still broken in a lot of ways in my humanity, but God came and rescued his people. Yep. And and yes, we're still, you know, we're still in a broken world, but one day, man. And and, and I don't know, you know, I've grown up in the outdoors and things, if you just get alone on a mountain and like be in the lap of God and creation and just kind of, you see, like you said, the wonders of this world, a little mm-hmm. taste of heaven here on earth, just to think about what heaven's going to be like yeah. is is insane, and it's it's crazy to think about. Yeah, it is, and and I mean that's what we're that's what we're moving towards. So I think we can finish up here with um, the the self reflection at the end, and that's something that we want people to to work on and work through. And and I think one of the practices that you want to do as you go through that is is you want to maybe journal like some people pull out a journal and write through some of the things uh that they're processing or going through there's this acronym for um called time Mm -hmm. and basically it's got john chapter three and the acronym is the text obviously you read that you underline it it's in the book so you can visit that and check it out highlight any words or phrases that jump out to you what does that passage teach you about the gospel? Immerse yourself in it. And, you know, this is just really, uh, people ask me sometimes, how do you study the Bible? I, I love to do this. I've even taken some pictures of it before and showed a couple of people. But go verse by verse, breaking it down. You can go to BibleHub.com and click INT, which is interlinear, and it'll give you the Greek word or the Hebrew word for each pa- uh, word in scripture uh, you can click commentary there and get commentary on each verse but take your time working through these scripture verses and uh, and then it talks about ministry the M of it what is what does this teach you what's it calling you to live and act as a result 
and then encounter now you're now you're wanting to immerse yourself in it let god speak to you listen to his voice through what you're reading in scripture listen to it and take a moment so so that'd be the main practice i would want people to take away this this week is spend some time with the lord alone let him speak to you through scripture write down some thoughts maybe even share that with somebody yeah 100 percent i i love the end of these chapters and kind of like Clay said already, really take them seriously. Even if you're a, a, a Christian and have been for a long time and the gospel may be something very familiar familiar to you, we need a daily reminder that the, the truth of we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're justified, we're being sanctified because of Jesus' work on the cross. And so really, uh, even like the, the growing in your identity section where it talks about uh, the different stages in the gospel from knowing God's plan uh, to experience applying it and growing in confidence. Read through those, kind of reflect in your life and, and see where you are, evaluate things. And like, and like Clay said, as you self-reflect in John 3, just soak in that time, carve out some time for it, and, uh, and yeah, allow the Holy Spirit to do a wonderful work in your life. Clay, it's been awesome. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a wonderful first chapter, the, the chapter the gospel. Uh, I look forward to the the remainder of the values on our next episode. We're going to be diving into chapter two, which is going to be identity. Uh, but until then, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you're enjoying these podcasts. If anytime you have any questions, comments, uh, be sure to, to message us. And we'd love to get back with you and see what you're thinking. We hope uh, small groups are going well and you're enjoying those and growing together. We love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. joining us, And we will see you next time.